This is The Caretaker, and you are listening to The Graveyard Show. And welcome to another edition of the Graveyard Show podcast. I am your caretaker, and the graveyard is open. Well, it certainly has been a while. Happy 2023, everybody. First podcast of the new year. Oh, wait, we're going into April. Well, there you go. Um, I've had a lot going on outside the graveyard that needed tending to. So um, these last few months, um, I've had to uh, just take care of other things. But in the meantime, just to let you know that I'm... Uh, not gone. Uh, I uploaded a GYS classic back in February. Uh, it was from 2010, and it was uh, an interview that I did with Corpse S. Chris, who has an amazing website uh, called Horror Host Graveyard. So he jumped from his graveyard and came into mine for a little bit. And um, we talked about his uh, website. He has an amazing website that is all about the history of horror hosts. So, uh, again, more horror host information here inside the graveyard. Um, If you are interested in all things horror host, well, you are in the right place. I have a ton of uh, podcasts uh, with interviews with uh, horror hosts. I have more that I still need to upload from uh, 2009 and 10. Uh, Many of them were with The Undertaker, who was my fill-in host, and uh, The Undertaker has an amazing connection to the horror hosting community. So uh, a lot more to come and uh, stay tuned for that. Also, if you are just a subscriber to the podcast, uh, as I said at the end of 22, uh, you should really consider joining us on YouTube. Uh, Graveyard Show Podcast on YouTube is where it's at because if you are a subscriber uh, to this show on YouTube, well, there's a lot more that uh, you got for this year, and I'll get into some of that a little bit later on. David Weiner is here. He is, of course, the director of the In Search of Darkness documentaries, as well as In Search of Tomorrow. He is here to talk to us about the flash sale for his latest film, In Search of Darkness, Part 3. So we'll get into that, where you can go and uh, purchase uh, In Search of Darkness, Part 3, in just a moment. This is some hot-off-the-press stuff, folks. Uh, David actually reached out to me yesterday and said he has information for uh, In Search of Darkness, Part 3. And um, we are going to get into that right now. I got my butt back to my graveyard to uh, record this podcast. To be quite honest, I wasn't sure (laughs) when I was going to do one. And, uh, well, the man behind the In Search of Darkness series got me back here to do that. So let's not waste any time. As you hear in the background, a new grave is being added. And when that happens, that means my guest is here. And it's time for me to get to work. And as promised, the writer-director of In Search of Darkness Part 3 is here, a friend of the program, a great friend of the program. And the reason why I came back to start up my podcast in 2023, Mr. David Weiner is here. David, as always, it is great to have you back here in the graveyard. It's 
dirty, it's muddy sometimes, but it's home. That's all I could say. <laughs> and I always find myself coming back and always appreciate you supporting uh, the projects that we do at Creative VC. And uh, you, you have multiple plots that remain open, so I will take advantage whenever you offer it up. And you are always welcome here. You and everybody from Creative VC are always welcome here. You have carte blanche as they say. <laughs> um, and um, first of all, I have to say, I have to correct myself because it is now the Rondo Hatton Award nominated and Chainsaw Award nominated in Search of Darkness Part 3. Right. How right. good does that feel? Yeah, it feels amazing. It feels amazing. You know, listen, it, it's very cliche to say it's an honor to be nominated, but it, it really feels great. It really feels great because so many people work so hard in front of the camera and behind the camera on these projects. And so just having people respond to In Search of Darkness 1, 2, and now 3 uh, and, and really appreciate it, that's, that's reward enough. But then the icing on the cake truly is, you know, the Rondo Hatton Awards, you know, Fangoria's Chainsaw Award. It's uh, these nominations are very important because it shows uh, a wonderful validation for all the work that we've done. So I can't thank those guys enough to uh, to see it. We, I, we feel seen. Well, well, I, and I and I'm really happy that they did that as well, that that you got these nominations because it is it is such a great series. The films are great individually, of course. And then you put them together for this amazing trilogy of films. Um, for those that have not seen it, they have to get out there and see these movies. Um, but more importantly now, In Search of Darkness Part 3, um, here we are on March 28th. Uh, a flash sale has just uh, started. It's good through April 11th. So yes. what can you tell everybody out there about this flash sale? Where can they go and what can they get? Well, when we first uh, crowdfund uh, our projects, uh, the backers are the priority. Uh, and now that everyone is receiving, including you, uh, have received your your care package, your scare package yes. in the mail, uh, and people are getting them daily, um, we want to be able to make it available to everybody else. So we're having a flash sale through April 11th. Uh, if you go to abshorrordoc.com, all the info is there of what's available, and, and it's while stock lasts. Uh, we use a, a manufacturer, and we got additional stock so we could we could sell it during the splash sale. But you could buy In Search of Darkness three either standalone, or you can get all three, and that's super cool. And you know, you get a Blu-ray, you get a digital copy of the film, digital soundtrack of the film. You get three posters. We have this cool member, this lifetime membership card that looks exactly. Maybe maybe you could describe that one because you got it. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's like it's like uh, your classic video store uh, yeah, membership card. It is. Yes, with, exactly. And uh, and there's bonus uh, online content as well. And so lots going on. And we just want to make sure that uh, everyone can have it if who wants it because. Uh, this stuff, uh, it, it comes and goes on streaming, but when it's on your shelf, it's forever. It is so true, and I, I'm so proud to own these. I can't even imagine how proud you feel having created these with Robin and Samuel and everyone else behind the scenes because it is such an, a beautiful tribute to a unique time period in, well, in history, in film history, in media history. Um, and what these movies mean 
to that time period. And it's more than just quote unquote horror movies. It's everything surrounding that. And, and I'll get into some of that when, when I ask you some questions uh, in a minute about um, the film itself, because you, you, mm-hmm. you hit on so many great pieces of 80s culture. Uh, but yes, I'm looking at the website right now. So it's uh, 80shorrordoc.com. And uh, you can you can buy the trilogy bundle, uh, and what what I love is that you can get the individual uh, movies as well. Because I know I'm missing my hard copy of Part One. I have it on digital, so now I have to oh, purchase. Okay. Yeah, well, I gotta buy go. I gotta buy the first one uh, on Blu-ray uh, to complete my hard hard copy uh, trilogy. Um, but yeah, I love this idea. And a cool case to put it in if you want that as well. I cool. love that case. And um, as I showed on my Caretaker Reveals video uh, uh, segment on the Graveyard Show Podcast YouTube channel, um, that that slip cover is so gorgeous. The back artwork that is on there with all the different creatures and villains and monsters and uh, final girls and heroes and everything – it is so incredible. I mean, that right there, you want to have displayed so people can see that thing. As far Cur- as... Cur- courtesy of uh, Clayton Bench, who's our art director, our in-house artist, and his stuff is fantastic. He does the, 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 the Roman numeral posters, and okay. uh, uh, his stuff always looks absolutely amazing. But I agree, you know, I, I'm happy to... I, I'm proud to have that on the back because it's... it's sort of perfect visual encapsulation of the explosion of amazing movies that came out in the 80s. It really is. And it's like an endless supply. I mean, I learned <laughs> I mean, I learned about movies watching your series that I didn't even know about. Uh, you know, I'm going through and seeing some of these films and I'm like, how, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? Wait, how did I miss that? <laughs> and I'm, it, I was, I was just saying, have you, did, were there movies that you were, that you were doing features uh, that you had featured that you said, how, I, I'm not familiar with that. Did you ever come across? Oh, those? absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't claim to know it all. Uh, I, I lived, I was a teen in the eighties. So I, I lived through many of these films where, you know, if I saw it, in the, if I didn't see it in the theater, I saw it on the video store shelf and I either circled it many times and finally got it, or I might not have ever gotten to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, a project like this is also a great excuse for me to like get to a movie that I'd never seen before, for example, like uh, Blood Beach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of, of singling that one out because I always loved the concept of it. And uh, I, it kind of disappeared off my radar, and I wondered, why have I never seen Blood Bed Beach? <laughs> not Blood Beach, Blood <laughs> Beach. And it's one of those movies that it, 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 uh, it never made the leap to DVD or Blu-ray. So when I was like, how come this just was never available? Like, it kind of disappeared off my radar. And I realized it's because it was just completely unavailable. And so to be able to not only track it down and watch it uh, for In Search of Darkness 3, but to be able to spotlight it and, um, you know, talk to uh, talk to uh, talent who was part of that production, it was very, 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 very cool. And I have to say also that, you know, so many of these movies, uh, like Jed Shepard, for example, uh, who's one of the talking uh, heads, uh, the, the writer of Host, which is an insanely amazing film. Um, he, at one point, just talked about a movie called Guinea Pig, Devil's Experiment, a Japanese film. And I'm like, really? What is this? It's a short. It's not even a feature. And I, I looked into it, and I just saw how horrid and horrible and unique and and wor- and controversial and worth discussion 
when we're talking about international films and, and Asian filmmaking, um, it, it was a great excuse to put a film like in, you know, that in In Search of Darkness 3 to, to boost discussion about it. And that's what I love about this trilogy, too, is that each, each of the three films has its own side take, I guess you could say, or side featurette about a, a moment in time in the 80s or a genre or an actor or actress, which is great. You know, these movies, as similar as they are, they are all very different movies as well. And having gone back uh, and um, watched some of it uh, to prep for this, mm-hmm. um, it's always so funny because I always love the uh, the beginning of all of them because it's that setup of the the uh, uh, the montage of different you know, uh, interviewees talking about a certain aspect of the eighties mm-hmm. and then we go right into the credits. And I always, I always like kind of pu- applaud <laughs> when, the, when the opening credits come out for the, for the movie, uh, for the documentary. And it's just so much fun. And what I love about this movie is that it's the first one. I think the other two, I don't think had a quote that led off the movie. Oh, they actually, they all do. I think do they? Just, your memory, your memory, uh, doesn't serve you correctly. Am, am I at that age now? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, no, each, actually each one, uh, starts with, uh, a quote to sort of set the stage okay. of what you're in for. So the first one, In Search of Darkness Part One had a, um, uh, George Romero quote. Uh, the second one had, um, uh, uh, oh boy. Um, no, it's two of us now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! The Italian, Italian. It's an Argento. Oh, it's Argento. Argento quote. That's right. Um, yes. But I think um, what, what I'm faltering is I think I doubled up on one of them, part one and part two. So there you go. Like, well, my mind, my mind is now uh, focused on on the next set of things. Of course. And so here we are, definitely showing our age in the old age home at exactly. the uh, at the graveyard. Exactly. <laughs> well, what I love about this was that you have that great John Carpenter quote where he says. I cherish all of my bad reviews. If the critics start liking my movies, then I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> so my questions are, how did you find that quote? And when did you decide you were going to start the film with that particular quote? Uh, well, it, it's, um, that's one of those quotes that, uh, especially if you watch John Carpenter talking in, in, over the course of the trilogy, You'll find, you know, he is the horror master, but when he's sitting down and talking, he's, he's, he's a bit self-effacing. Uh, he's very practical about his own work, and he, he's very candid about his disappointments. And, you know, I mean, he was going to do, uh, you know, movies like Firestarter, but that, that didn't happen because the thing was a failure, so he got fired off of that. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that like, we see the master, but he sees the the hiccups and the failures and the obstacles that didn't things didn't quite go his way so he's much more practical at that so i i thought there was that 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 quote perfectly encapsulated um his irreverence and his cynicism at the same time in terms of how we perceive his stuff versus how critics perceive his stuff what i found interesting was that critics or criticism sort of seems to be more of a theme in this one maybe than the other ones because you have a lot more at least it appeared to me you had a lot more Siskel and Ebert segments in this film than the Mm -hmm. previous 
a lot of their clips, you see them kind of down, uh, poo-pooing, I guess you could say, the horror mm -hmm. genre and talk about how terrible these movies are. You have the whole section of um, um, satanic panic right, or right. gay panic or, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of this sort of, you know, PMRC, the, you know, mm -hmm. down with heavy metal, all this criticisms, criticisms on, you know, the films themselves by parents and by religious groups. You have all of this criticism that we, that seems to kind of come to a head in this movie, which I really like because you kind of yeah, see the moral, the moral majority, yes. which was arguably neither. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and it's true. Cause I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're on the same age and I remember that as well. I mean, I remember, you know, Tipper Gore getting up there with the PMRC. I remember hearing about the video nasties in the UK. I remember seeing, you know, preachers and news articles and news, you know, like 2020 and stuff doing stories about, you know, Satan and all this stuff and horror movies and, you know, and how basically if you listen to it or watch it, you're suddenly brainwashed. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, okay. it's, it's it, and sadly, you know, plus a change, plus a la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And we're at the same spot now than we were 40 years ago uh, in the 80s. And uh, whether it's for clicks or, or for Nielsen ratings, it's, you know, whipping people up in a, in a frenzy to be concerned about all these sort of ghosts that, that may or may not exist in our lives. But by protecting us, they're actually taking away our... Our, our right to choose what we think is right for ourselves and for our children. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that was very prevalent in that era. And it's something that we're sadly seeing uh, very prevalent today. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like what Doug Bradley says in, in, the, uh, in the beginning of the documentary, too, where he says he felt the 80s was the decade where America tells stories about itself. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very, very interesting um, a viewpoint because watching these movies there's there are things that you brought out and that your um guests brought out about movies that looking back on it here 40 years later going wow you know yeah that does kind of seem to be more about this than that and you know there there just seemed to be sort of some of the curtain being either drawn back on something that was deliberately done or maybe stuff that was unintentional but you know, there it is. You kind of look at it and go, well, it could be that, too. It's very interesting. Yeah, well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, spoiling a little bit of the tail end of the documentary, you've got Joe Bob Briggs, who we've just spent five hours sort of examining a whole era uh, of filmmaking, uh, the highs and lows and the, the sort of real world uh, uh, context that was going on and, and how these films sort of fit in the zeitgeist positively or negatively. Uh, but at the end of the day, we like to uh, reflect on these films as, as what they mean something more than what they are at face value. And then you have Joe Bob Briggs who just says, listen, these people just wanted to make a buck. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, we, but there are courses that you could take in college, you know, to, to decipher what these things mean. So I've always been uh, an appreciator of art where art is what you choose it to be. Mm -hmm. And so you could look at a blank canvas on the wall and you could find all sorts of uh, symbolism in it. Or you could say someone forgot to paint something on here. You know, it's all <laughs> yeah. your perception. Exactly. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you hear Romero say that when he's, you know, about Night Living Dead. He's just like, well, I wasn't looking to, to make a social statement. I just cast a, a lead actor who I thought was really good and then just kind of yeah. went from there. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I can see that happening, too. <laughs> Speaking for filmmakers who uh, I am not, you know, I, I, they, they speak for themselves and they either say that it's political or not. But I think fundamentally, I think when everyone, uh, anyone who is making a film, uh, especially during an era, um, you can't not have a nod or two to your feelings about certain things in the world embedded in the in the filmmaking that you're making, you know, the art mm-hmm. that you're making. Yeah. Um, but there are some who will just say, listen, I want to entertain, and if you want to find a bigger story there, you're welcome to do it. While there are others who uh, are much more politically and sociopolitically minded who want to make this a an allegory of uh, something in contemporary times or in, you know, sociological issues. So, again, it comes back to uh, beauties in the eye of the beholder. You know, yeah. is it just... Is it a cigar in your hand, or is it something more? You know, yeah, Mr. Freud. Let's yeah. find out. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the things um, that I was really happy to see in this one was um, you focused on um, Canadian uh, horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you focus on Canadian as well as Asian horror movies. But let's talk about Canadian horror movies first, because I think a lot of us forget how many horror movies came out of Canada at that time. And the quality of them. I mean, you know, it's like anything, right? You're going to have your good, you're going to have your bad. But um, can you talk about the influence of those Canadian horror movies? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's also, it's hard to tell what's, what's, what's outright Canadian because it's really essentially just North American filmmaking all blends together, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why we include things, uh, which is uh, arguably many people believe is one of the worst films and just film versus even horror film ever made um but it also is very distinctly canadian uh in in the way that the actors talk and the the situation that they at hand and how they respond to it and, and the molsons that they drink you know um but uh what happened during that era was uh there were there was government incentive to shoot in canada and canadian filmmakers uh even to this day, if you're shooting in Canada, you have to have a Canadian crew. If you have a, uh, a star who's not Canadian, you have to have uh, a top player, uh, above the line player who has to be Canadian. So there's all these rules that that make something uh, partially or distinctly Canadian. And this incentive for uh, tax purposes uh, happened in the late 70s. So people like Cronenberg were able to sort of take advantage of that and uh, all these other films like, you know, My Bloody Valentine, which you wouldn't necessarily believe is a Canadian film, they jumped on this genre as an opportunity to make a cheap uh, film and uh, fit it in the genre and have it sell really well at the drive-in, at the box office and on the video show. But it's distinctly Canadian, sometimes on the outside, sometimes hidden on the inside. You have Asian horror that you get into as well, and there's a lot of Asian horror that I just have not seen. Um, how much, I mean, how familiar were you with, with Asian horror uh, of the 80s? Did you have to kind of do a lot of research, or did you kind of go into it knowing significantly? That was more of a retroactive discovery for me. Um, I, along with so many others, 
uh, I was exposed to J-horror uh, in the 90s mm-hmm. that really opened. I mean, I knew there was films there, uh, obviously, before the 90s. You know, filmmaking didn't just explode only in the 90s. But uh, in terms of the Western world and what we, were, what we had uh, access to, that really didn't start happening until the 90s with the boom of, you know, Ring and The Grudge and those types of films. So for me, making this film, I wanted to uh, tip my hat to the J-horror boom as the reason why more was made available to, uh, you know, Western uh, uh, video stores, for example. But they were always here. Um, if you were in the right community and you knew which video store to go to, in the 80s, there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of video titles made by Asian filmmakers, you know, from, you know, Hong Kong and, and across across Asia. Uh, so much great stuff, you know, Thai, Thai filmmaking, Filipino filmmaking, Korean filmmaking, Japanese filmmaking. But for me, this was an opportunity to really explore some of those titles you know, what was big in Asia at the time that we weren't getting any of and what do I think is really cool and what is also sort of drafting off of the explosion uh, in America. You know, they wanted to be like that, you know, Indian filmmaking. There's like the Indian Exorcist, which is just bonkers, you know. Um, (laughs) These films are amazing. And uh, this was a, a, a journey of discovery for me saying, oh, well, I knew about this film, but I didn't know those filmmakers that film what's this one about uh so it was great to have uh, all of our eyes open to a lot of the great uh, creative filmmaking at the time and i'm talking about the 80s prior to this 90s explosion yeah and you know i found myself jotting down some names of the uh, movies you were showing um in the highlights because i was like oh i have to find this i have to find that oh i have to find this mr mr vampire is the real is really fun okay um, and, uh, you know, Zhangxi vampires that hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's martial arts, uh, you know, very much, you know, Hong Kong style martial arts, you yeah. know, battling demons and witches and, and warlocks and vampires and zombies and, and ghosts and the like. And uh, it's, it's a very different look at, at uh, similar boogeymen that we experience. And so uh, anyone who calls themselves a horror fan really should go across the ocean and check out what's there. Yeah. Hopefully with the uh, billions of streaming services that are out there right now, there are <laughs> some of them that are carrying these yep. um, in some form or another. Because More and more, it's, it's, you're able to find this stuff now. Yeah. Uh, we were able to find it. You know, um, It's hard, but we were able to find it. But yeah. it, it's still a challenge. Um, it's, very, it's very much a challenge. Well, it's interesting because one, you know, you talk about like how you see some reflection of the '80s in today's culture. You have, you know, just in in a, in a pop culture sense, you have streaming services now versus what the VHS um, revolution was back then, mm-hmm. and having sort of this wild west of well, we need content, and you're seeing that mm-hmm. now with the streamers. It's it's like you know what's old is new again. It's very interesting. Well, you go to a place like Tubi. Yeah. Um, I, I have no stake. I, I have no skin in the game at Tubi, but I, I I love Tubi and I I shout Tubi from the rooftops because it's free, you know. Yeah. And it's it's it, you just get on there and there's just a a mountain of material 
that the likes of us just will stop and gawk and get excited about. And, and I even, while I was making In Search of Darkness 3, I'd be like, I don't know what happened in that one scene. I just have to be real specific about that. I'd literally just jump on Tubi, and there it was, and I can get right to it. Um, so it's an amazing source. And so for, uh, you know, we have so many streaming choices now. And some are commercial-driven, uh, commercial and others are paid services. Uh, but there are so many free ones now. And so there's just a plethora of, of amazing horror and genre film that could be found in a variety of these different streamers. Um, and all you have to do is sit through a couple of commercials. Yeah, I love Tubi. Whenever... Uh friends come up to me and they and they go hey what horror movies you know well i'll tell you i'll tell you a funny story a couple of years ago i had some young 20 something uh was like so um yeah i know you're a big fan of horror movies i'm like yeah 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 i am and they're like um so uh, i was just wondering like which of the classics would you recommend and i'm like well you know you got you know the 31 you know dracula with bella lugosi and nosferatu and you know you got frankenstein and i stopped and i go Wait, um, when you say classics, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and, and they're like, right. um, you know, like 80s and 70s. He's like AG, not BC. Yeah, I'm like, oh, damn it. Now I'm in that age where, where the movies I grew up with are now the fucking classics. They are, they are. Well, you know what, this is the thing. He, this person was looking to you uh, as a guide to yeah. curate. Uh, and that's an important thing to recognize. I think uh, all of us who are a little older might be listening to this. Um, there, when you're a younger, and I, we were like this too when we were young. You know, there's just so there's a mountain of movies out there, yeah. uh, and you don't know where to start. And you hear of all the classics that you may or may not want to watch and get around to, uh, in, in, uh, no matter what the genre. But ultimately, sometimes subgenres specifically. You know, you need someone to sort of give you a list. That's why listicles became such a popular thing, and everyone was making listicles for a time there, and mm-hmm. they still are. It's because you need someone who's knowledgeable to, to point you in the right direction. Yeah. You know, if, if nothing else is In Search of Darkness movies, which is a trilogy which covers a whole decade over 14-plus hours, uh, is the ultimate curation list for people who want to get started and then get embedded and then really go down the rabbit hole yeah you know across three films and i'd be lying if i said i was playing a long game by doing it that way but it was a natural progression and i'm glad we got to be able to do it yeah so am i i mean i went i had never seen without warning and i found it and i watched it and i'm like damn that is a really good movie yeah i mean it's like and, and yet you can't really find it Unless, you know, you kind of dig for it. And if mm-hmm, you didn't mm-hmm. feature it in, in In Search of Darkness 3, I probably would have just skipped over it if I saw it somewhere. I would have been like, all right, I'll save that for another time. And it's like, And wow. I, I tried to get that one in part two. We just didn't have enough time and space. There, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of titles that we had, uh, Sam, Way, and I put together uh, segments uh, that we wanted to put in part two, and uh, we had to, we had a cutoff, and so we just didn't do it. So I was very happy to be able to get that into part three. And even with part three, where you're, five, you know, with, with end credits, it's five hours and 42 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it's still not enough time. Uh, there's still so many amazing titles that even I wanted. 
yeah. to put in there. Just you got to make some really tough decisions at a certain point and say, this year's too packed. We can't put in anymore. We just got to draw the line. And if anything, apologies to the audience if, if the film that you love didn't make it. Um, but you know it's out there. And yeah. so um, you could tell people who you think would be interested about it, and you could curate your own list. And, and I find myself, even on the streamers now, whether it's, <clears throat> whether it's on uh, Shutter or Screenbox or Tubi or um, you know, Peacock or wherever, you know, Netflix, if, if I see an 80s title now, um, I'm usually not only saving it, I'm prioritizing it. And a yeah. lot of that has to do with you know, seeing your, your trilogy um, because it just gets me in the mode. And I realized, you know, having been a product of the 80s anyway, you know, I could sit and just have those movies on all the time and be fine. Like, I don't... There's you know. a certain feel, there's a certain mood that these things, that sort of brings out in you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, someone wrote a wonderful thing uh, on Letterboxd uh, uh, where they said that... Uh, they went through a dark time, as many of us did, especially during the pandemic. But watching In Search of Darkness 1 and 2 at the time uh, really helped them through by watching these movies that, that brought in them a, a wonderful, warm feeling of nostalgia of these films that they experienced and loved and just knew of when they were younger. Yeah. And so you're able to transport yourself from your daily life and sort of escape into a celebration of films that no one no one else celebrates this yeah. you know just the horror community no and no one understands it i mean i was just talking to someone yesterday they're like oh what do you do and i explained what i did and i said yeah and you know it's, it's cool I, i'm a kid in the candy store i get to interview john carpenter and 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 uh, robert england and she just looked at me blankly and <laughs> i said okay well you know the movie Halloween, right? Oh, yeah, I know that. Okay, the director of Halloween, you know Freddy Krueger, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, that's played by Robert England. So you can't assume, you know, we're in our, our own wonderful vacuum of, of a community. Um, but out there, they don't get it. And so to have a 14-hour celebration of, of just the strangest and oddest and craziest and most entertaining and most disgusting and most just you fill in the blank of the word yeah uh you know these are the movies that we love and we celebrate and to have circle the wagons and and have something that is a time capsule of the people who made these and of how these films fit in a decade and an era that are now classic quote unquote uh it's important listen and i'm not saying what i've done is important but i've been told by many people that this is important especially to future generations who are going to come back looking for uh, information. And this this is one of the documentaries of many horror documentaries that offers this. It is it is the definitive documentary. I mean, a horror documentary. I, I think it is, and I've seen a lot of them. I would put this, I mean, prior to this, I would say probably um, it was a Chris, uh, Crystal Lake Memories, I think it was, the 13-hour. The yeah. Friday the 13th. Well, there's, yeah, there's the Friday the 13th, Crystal Lake Memories. There's yep. Never Sleep Again, uh, yep. which is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. But I'm talking even about, uh, and those are uh, wonderful. Yeah. And those were groundbreaking in, in, in uh, allowing me to know that fans will sit for five, six plus hours yep. to watch a movie. But uh, in terms of uh, a decade retrospective, 
you know, uh, they're harder to find. You yeah. really can't find one that's only about the 80s. Yeah, and that's what makes these so great is that you did three successful, entertaining, and informative documentaries that are over five hours. You know, you have 15 upwards of 16 hours plus of movies from a 10-year span. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, it really is. They're not boring at all. They're always, you know, you're, you're always finding something new. They're fun to watch. You can always go back. And if, you know, you want to just watch one year of, of the movies, you can do that. You want to watch one of the featurettes, you can. Um, I got, I, I have to interject and say I got another wonderful ultimate um, compliment uh, on Twitter the other day uh, where someone wrote, uh, I learned more from 80s horror doc, you know, in search of darkness mm -hmm. than I did in film school. <laughs> I, I believe that. And uh, I went to film school. So the magnitude of that compliment or statement, because um, they didn't say it to me, they just said it out there to, you know, shattered it from their rooftop. Uh, that to me was an incredible compliment because, you know, I went to film school. I, I, I've been working on films for years. And so the filmmaking craft is important to me. And I try and impart that in these films without being hitting you over the head with it. What everybody, well, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people have, have noticed, as I have, that this is, and they've even described it as a love letter to 80s horror. And it is because you have that care and love and respect and enjoyment. It comes through, you know, it, it, it shows by the way the interviews are done, the way it's cut, the graph, like all of it. It's, it's all so well thought out that, you know, those of us that live through it can appreciate it and, and, and love it. And those that are going back and finding out about it get a kick out of it and are loving it and going, wow, that's really cool. I mean, it really, it's amazing how th three movies can be different yet the same. And yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And I mean, all of you should be incredibly proud of, of your place in documentary history. I'll put it even out there because wow. this yeah. is going to go down as one of the great documentaries. I know the horror genre kind of gets looked on, you know, looked down upon by most people, but it's like, this is one of the great documentaries made. It, it really is. And I think the farther we get away from it, the more people are even going to appreciate it even more. And you're going to find new people who are going to find it. This right here is just something that every horror fan should have on their shelves. Now, mm. now that this is wrapped up, you have now segued into part two of In Search of Tomorrow, the 1980s science fiction documentary. That's correct. So I know that's supposed to be coming out in the summer, I believe, of 2023. Well, it's not coming out. The, the okay. crowdfunding begins. The okay. Crowdfunding begins. Gotcha. So what can you tell us about without telling us about it? <laughs> well, uh, I, actually, what I'd love to tell you and everybody is that uh, much like we did with In Search of Darkness 1, where it was mostly the heavy hitters, uh -huh. some eclectic titles, but it was mostly the heavy hitters of horror uh, in terms of commercial uh, recognition and so on and so forth. That was the approach for In Search of Tomorrow, uh, part one. Um, but now that we sort of have a lot of that out of the way, Blade Runner, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, Star Trek II, RoboCop, Aliens, 
we want to now dig deeper. We want to go more onto that dusty video shelf. We want to do more of the cult films. Uh, and there's still plenty of things, you know, whether it's sequels or uh, a, a major release, we still want to do that as well. But uh, this one is definitely an appreciation of a lot of the straight to, stuff that you discovered, not necessarily straight to video, but stuff you discovered on the video shelf. Um, and what we are doing right now, which is something that's very important to us, is that we're doing uh, 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 basically what we're calling a fan consultation. Uh, and I've, I've put together an extended synopsis of what this is about and a variety of, of upwards of 20 sample chapters of what we could potentially be covering. And we're inviting everyone to go to 80sscifidoc.com. Uh, actually, if you go to uh, our socials at 80sscifidoc, and you, you go to the link tree that is in our, uh, you know, under underneath the handle, you click on the link tree and you'll see a, a link for the fan consultation. Uh, but in there, you'll be able to read the synopsis. You'll be able to comment and add suggestions on the synopsis. And then we have a survey that you could fill out, which you get to not only respond to some, some questions, but also make suggestions as to what you would like to see. And uh, In Search of Darkness Part 3, especially, was very fan-driven in terms of what do you want to see. Uh, people made suggestions, and they also even voted on their top ten films. Uh, we don't give the results, so there are surprises. But I use that as my, my lightning rod. I, I, that's the guide. That's my divining rod uh, as to where to start when I put this together, knowing that this is uh, what the majority of people would like to see. So I invite everybody to do this survey synopsis. If they want to do that, they, could, they can jump on that as well. Um, but this is a process that's very important to us, and we'd love uh, everyone to be part of it. Fantastic. I love the fact that you that you are so involved in getting the fans involved. It's just it, that's another huge reason why well, this well, is so very great. Much, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you know, we're just very, it's by fans, for fans. We really believe that, you know, we're not a bunch of corporate executives at a boardroom saying, well, what, 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 what tracks from our marketing? What are we going to do? Um, we're fans. This is what we want to see. Um, but we also really enjoy involving everyone in the process from, from the, the ground up in terms of putting a documentary like this together, doing uh, uh, Q&As and, and interviews uh, that won't be in the film, but just uh, they get to interact with over the course of the year of making the film. And then when the final film comes out, not only do you get your name in the credits if you back it, but you get to say, I made that suggestion and they did it. And I gave a very specific film that no one else would have known about. And look, they're talking about that or they're mentioning it. Um, that's incredibly satisfying. And I, that's, I think, incredibly rare in filmmaking, you know, and this yeah. is not edited by committee, uh, but there are amazing suggestions to help guide the direction that uh, we all welcome. Now, you um, you also teased in the uh, In Search of Darkness Part 3 bundle with the postcard, um, you teased In Search of Darkness 1990 to 94. That's correct. So 
um, have you begun thinking about it, or is it something where you're just going to deal with tomorrow right now, part two, <laughs> and, then, and then move I on I juggle to that. as many plates as possible, and it's comical to watch me do it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we have been thinking about this for quite some time, and uh, the validity of it, you know, because uh, you know, once the 80s made way for the 90s, uh, horror movies took a, at least theatrically, they, they took a tremendous dip uh, and went through some serious growing pains. But there's an amazing volume of films that came out, whether it was straight to video or on the big screen, and grappling with an uh, evolution of effects, you know, from, from practical to CGI in its infancy that probably wasn't ready to be uh, center stage. And so... And and just the, the the perception of things, you know, if you look at movies uh, like Silence of the Lambs, you know, or Seven, you know, these are quote unquote thrillers, but they're horror movies through and through. They're about serial killers and you know cannibalism and, yeah. <laughs> and all sorts of horrible, horrible things that are extremely entertaining. So um, we're excited to do this, and uh, these movies become behemoths and long, long, long projects. And uh, it takes a toll on us as well to make these things. So this time around, what we're doing is we're dividing the 90s into part one and part two in that it's 1990 to 1994 for the first part and then 1995 to 1999 for the second part. Uh, And they'll still be long films, uh, but we'll be able to fit more in terms of the discussion. It won't only be the heavy hitters. We'll be able to get a lot more eclectic titles to demonstrate the breadth of the uh, decade and, and more time to discuss why things were different. You know, uh, Robin Block loves to call it the lost decade because it's just not admired like it is in the 80s, but there's still so much on display uh, and so much value. So that's something that we can dive into. Yeah, I would agree with that because I know even living through the 90s, I was kind of like, eh, you know. (laughs) But it was one of those things where a lot of the horror movies that I was finding, instead of in the video stores like the 80s, I was finding them on cable. You know, and it would be like, oh, you know, Cinemax has the Bloodstone movies on, which I never would have seen (laughs) otherwise. We, We were absolutely spoiled in the 80s. Uh, and then in the 90s, especially in the early 90s, all these films that were coming out really much is just an extension. I mean, we, we draw dividing lines with a decade based on numbers, but that doesn't mean that filmmaking changed in any way, especially uh, in the crossover between the late 80s and the early 90s. Yep. Um, and so there's, there's lots on display that's very much like a practical effects standard 80s film. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are plenty of, uh, franchises that it's known, you know, the Scream franchise and, and, and Kevin Williamson movies, you know, really kind of helped define that decade, but there was so much more that was available. And that's what I'm excited to dive into. Yeah. It's so funny because I know, like, even just for science fiction, I think most people would think Total Recall is an 80s movie and it's not. <laughs> yeah, 1990. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. But I always liken it to when you listen to music. If you ever go back and listen to, like, some of the, you know, top 40 shows, you can always mm-hmm. tell, like, you always have that crossover, like you just said, from a previous decade. And you have that in music, too, where you'll have like that folk music of the 60s that kind of came into the early 70s or some of that adult contemporary music from the 70s that kind of bled into the 80s a little bit. You know, well, until... 
yeah, until it finds, you know, until it finds its, the decade finds its footing, it's, it is, it's directly influenced and, from previous and, decades. And artists like those musicians and filmmakers making films are also drawing on uh, inspirations and budget limitations from uh, the films that they were growing up with. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at like the full moon slate, you know, full moon entertainment yep. and, you know, uh, everything, you know, from the Trancers movies to the subspecies movies to the Puppet Master movies to the Demonic Toys movie, which I worked on the first one. Uh, I used to work at Full Moon. Um, it's, uh, you know, that stuff is, is, is kind of stuck in a time warp in the 80s because they're all low budget. And uh, um, it, it's wonderful to look and see how they fit into the equation. Yeah, I, I love subspecies. I thought those were highly underrated vampire movies but that's a discussion for in search of uh darkness Shot in romania yes on an extremely low budget yes my, my roommate was the production manager on that no way the deep end they threw him in the deep end of the, of the pool on that one wow but they somehow managed to get a film uh in the can nothing like doing night shooting overseas <laughs> right <laughs> well we'll have to save that one for the 1990 uh in search of right. darkness <laughs> i look forward to that well listen exactly. David, uh, thanks for coming back on and sharing all this information uh, about the Flash Sale, about In Search of Darkness Part 3. Uh, again, the Flash Sale is uh, going on from now, March 28th through April 11th. So you can, mm-hmm. uh, you can get either the trilogy, you can get the individual movies themselves. And there's all kinds of goodies that I'll go over as soon as uh, David uh, goes back yeah, into his yeah. plot. Yeah, go to 80s, 80shorrordoc.com <laughs> on the, uh, or 80shorrordoc on our socials, and that's got all the information it's while supplies last, and uh, it's really one of those things where if you value this stuff, uh, it, it's nice to have a permanent home on your shelf because I can't tell you how. I, gosh, I listen. I'm, this is a this is just a, a, a tangent that I'm just going to complain. But like, I, I want I want the movie Prey, P R E Y. Yeah. You know, um, I saw it on Hulu as soon as it came out. I thought it was spectacular. You can't own that. You have to have Hulu to watch it. You, uh, it's not on, on, on physical media, yeah. and it's not even on iTunes. So I have to subscribe to Hulu if I want to watch that. Wow. Uh, and I also know that it won't, you know, Hell, uh, the Hellraiser movie, same thing. And so these things won't live uh, forever on Hulu. So where yeah. will they be after that? So these are the kind of things that I think, uh, you know, it's first world problems, but it's like if you love movie and movies and you love collecting movies and you love the instant gratification of watching something when you want, uh, physical media, if you have the room for it, uh, is, is more valuable than we realize given the, the shuffle of movies that you think would always live on HBO, which are all just being sold off for a tax write-off, you know? Yeah. So true. And folks... Get out there and support this movie. <laughs> support it. I digress. No, it's so true, though. You know, it really is. I mean, there is that debate going on right now about physical media versus digital media. And I have, I still have physical media, even though you and I come from that time where we own stuff, physical stuff. You know, I like digital stuff, but I make sure I get it onto a hard drive because, as we know, if you once you buy something, if you're only streaming it, if it goes away, they lose the rights to it. It's gone. And I've heard plenty of people complain. They purchase something on iTunes and next thing you know, it's gone. And people I'm go, still Where's nervous it? about that. I've got like a couple hundred movies on iTunes and I don't know, you know, one, yeah. I, I, I feel it's unstable one yeah. day. Oh, 
you're locked out or it's yeah. whatever. Oh, I've download I download all of them. All of them. I make sure I have them because yeah, for that very reason. Well, listen, David, as always, it's fantastic having you on the podcast. I, it was so great hearing from you yesterday, and I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Congratulations on all the success and the award nominations. We'll be keeping a lookout for it, and hopefully I can make an announcement here that you've uh, got some awards for this fantastic documentary. Well, thank you. And, and for those who are uh, – the Chainsaw Award uh, uh, voting is already over. I'm looking forward to the show. Um, but the Rondo Awards, you could go to rondoawards.com, sorry, rondoaward.com, uh, and you can vote for In Search of Darkness, one to three, uh, for best documentary if you choose. Uh, actually, my site, which is It Came From Blog, is up there for best website, too. Oh, congratulations. I'm plugging. Nice. Thank you very much. But uh, there's a million other things that you can vote for. Uh, you can vote for as many of them or as few of them as you like. But I think you have until the end of April to vote for the Rondos as well. Yes. You can vote for this show. To, oh, wait. I'm not up for a Rondo this year. Well, listen. Uh. You should you do a write-in. <laughs> do a write-in. Do a write-in. I actually, you know, the show was nominated back in, in nine. I couldn't believe it. I, so I, oh, really? I found it by mistake. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So you're a Rondo-nominated I am. podcast. Yes. Yes. That's, Very proud that's of that. That's something to crow about. That's I great. am. I'm really proud of that. I, did, I tell people. I think I even have it on the description when they find this podcast. It's like a Rondo Hatton well, nominated. Well, when you, yeah. when you meet people at parties, do you, you put Rondo nominated? Of course. Name? Okay, <laughs> they great. Have to, they're, they're, they're required to call me the Rondo Hatton nominated <laughs> host caretaker of the Graveyard Show there podcast. There you go. <laughs> All right, David. Thank you so much for coming on. It was fantastic having you. I can't wait to talk to you more uh, when In Search of Tomorrow Part 2 comes out. Awesome. Thank you so much as always. It's great to be at the graveyard and everybody take care. And as I put this interview to rest, I, I, I think I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I love having David on this show. He is so awesome. I, I just, I don't even feel like it's an interview. It's a conversation and he just makes it so easy. And there was just so much more I could have talked to him about. We could have done another 45 to an hour easily. So, um, as he said, to find out more about this flash sale, go to 80shorrordoc.com. So, that's 80s-h-o-r-r-o-r-d-o-c.com. You can purchase the In Search of Darkness trilogy. You can do the trilogy bundle for $119.99 U.S., okay? It includes part one, part two... Uh, part three, uh, you get the three-disc trilogy slipcase, which is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, three posters, you get the membership card, digital copies of the film, the digital soundtrack, four-plus hours of extras uh, digitally, and then the In Search of Darkness Challenge PDF, which will come digitally as well. If you want to see what these look like, go to my YouTube channel, Graveyard Show Podcast, on YouTube, and you can check it out. I did a feature of, I featured it on my other video podcast called The Caretaker Reveals. And it's all on the In Search of Darkness Part 3 uh, swag bundle. You will see all of it and what it looks like. Now, you can also do uh, Part 3 bundle, which is $69.99. And it comes with all the stuff as well that I just talked about that's in the uh, trilogy um, set 
You can also get uh, the trilogy bundle digitally, which means you can get part one, part two, and part three digitally only. That's $49.99. You can do part one on Blu-ray for $49.99. You can do part two on Blu-ray for $49.99. Or you could do part three on Blu-ray for $59.99. And if you own the movies already and you did not get the trilogy slipcase, you can order that separately for $24.99 right there on 80shorrordoc.com. All right, as I begin to close down the graveyard, I want to revisit uh, what I had mentioned at the top of the show, which is the show itself. So if you're a regular listener of the Graveyard Show podcast, thank you, first of all. It's always great having you here, and I appreciate your uh, uh, tuning in and listening to the podcast. Um, I mentioned at the end of 22 that uh, there was going to be more and more time in between podcasts. I'm starting to devote more of my time with the Graveyard Show podcast YouTube channel because, well, there's just more for me to do and uh, it allows me more flexibility to do videos without having to try to schedule interviews with people. So um, if you are either just uh, finding the Graveyard Show podcast for the first time or if you are just a podcast subscriber only, that's great and I appreciate that. What you will get with your podcast subscription is the Graveyard Show podcast and then the GYS Classics, which I upload every so often, which I just did in February. Those are um, revisiting old interviews that I did from 2009 and 10 and what The Undertaker, my fill-in host, did uh, during 2009 and 2010 as well. We, um, uh, we don't have any archives of those up online, so you can't find them anywhere. I have them here in my graveyard archives. So I like to share them with you every so often because, um, you know, no, none of you have heard them. Uh, so I did that back in February uh, with the Corpse S. Chris interview. I will be uh, uploading more um, this year. And, um, of course, I would love your comments on those. If you enjoyed them, if you liked them, if you didn't like them, uh, any, anything you have, send them my way. You can either do that through the email address, which is gyspodcast at gmail.com, or if you're listening to it on YouTube, you can uh, leave them in the comments section below as well. So the YouTube channel has a ton more content on it uh, that you would get as opposed to being just a podcast subscriber. So with YouTube... If you go to youtube.com backslash at Graveyard Show Podcast, at Graveyard Show Podcast, you will find this program. And when you get to the home site, you will see a bunch of videos. So along with the Graveyard Show Podcast on YouTube, you will also get the GYS uh, Classic Podcast as well. And then you also get video productions one of which is Catacombs of Horror, which is about you know 20 to 40 minute video that I do um, regarding um, a movie or a topic uh, in the horror community. So the four that are uploaded right now are What Represents 1980s Horror, and David Weiner actually uh, joined me for that very first one, and he and I picked uh, what we thought best represented 1980s horror in four different categories. The next one is my favorite scenes from Count Yorga Vampire, which is a huge hit. Um, Y'all are eating that one up, which I always uh, enjoy seeing the the hits on that one. Uh, Also, Halloween 4, my favorite scenes 
and a missed opportunity from that film. And then the uh, last Catacombs of Horror is, uh, well, Return of Count Yorga. Uh, since uh, Count Yorga Vampire Catacombs was so popular, I decided to do one on the sequel, Return of Count Yorga. And uh, more and more of you are starting to find that and commenting on that as well. So that makes me happy. I'm working on a new Catacombs of Horror, and I should have that up very soon. There's another video production on there called The Caretaker Reveals, which is a much shorter video production. They're about four to five minutes long. Uh, It's things that I own or maybe have experienced that's related to horror or sci-fi. So I have several videos up for that, including actually the latest one that just went up, uh, which was on my In Search of Darkness Part 3 swag bundle that I got um, when I purchased In Search of Darkness Part 3 several months ago. So I show you what I got in um, uh, in that swag bundle. And uh, just gives you an idea of what the folks over Creator VC do. Uh, some of my other uh, caretaker reveals are is uh, the Blu-ray of Creep Show season three. I give a general description. I show you what uh, what the disc looks like. I show you a little bit of the video. Um, also, uh, there was a a play that uh, I saw here in Los Angeles at the end of last year called Two Two Two: A Ghost Story. Um, it's a spoiler-free review on the uh, on the show. All these are spoiler-free, by the way. I don't get into anything that ruined the experience. Uh, I also did one on uh, some of the shirts that I own from Fright Rags, as well as uh, the In Search of uh, Tomorrow bundle uh, that, I, uh, that I got uh, last year when I purchased In Search of Tomorrow. So just some fun stuff. They're very short, quick. Uh, you can watch them literally four to five minutes, and there you go. Uh, some other things you'll find on the GYS YouTube channel, uh, the George A. Romero wing, which is all things uh, related to George A. Romero. I interviewed his uh, widow uh, a few years ago, Suzanne Deroche Romero. I interviewed Kim Paffenroth, who wrote a book at the time on the four zombie films that uh, Romero did. Um, anything that has to do with Romero is in that playlist. There's also an In Search of Darkness playlist, uh, all my interviews that I did with David Weiner, Robin Block, Weary Pines, um, anything that has anything to do with In Search of Darkness, you can find it there as well. And um, I also have some old horror promos from the old horror podcasting network uh, from different shows that were on there. I have old promos for this show. Just anything that has to do with anything is kind of up there. So check it out. It's the uh Graveyard Show podcast on YouTube. So again, go to youtube.com backslash at Graveyard Show podcast. Just do not put the word the in there and you will find me. All right. So that's going to do it here. Um, As I said, stay tuned for the uh, YouTube channel updates. And uh, those of you that are listening just on podcast, uh, I will have some more content coming your way as well. I do have some interviews planned. It's just... This year, I just don't see me doing very many original interviews because um, my schedule is going to be kind of crazy. So there you have it. All right, my friends, I look forward to seeing you back here in the graveyard very soon. Uh, Leave your comments below if you're uh, on YouTube. And uh, as you exit the graveyard, I would like to remind you to please lock the gate behind you. We wouldn't want anyone to get out. Until next time.